Welcome to Unfinished Business. This is a Hardin Valley baseball podcast where our hosts will be sitting down with leaders and athletes from across the country to talk about things they've learned and the people they've impacted along the way. Now it's time to get down to business. Here are your hosts, Tyler Roach and Drew Krasibsky. and welcome to the Unfinished Business Podcast brought to you by The Social Bullpen. But before we get started, here's Coach Barnett with the joke of the podcast. Hey, Tyler. Um, I've actually been uh, looking it up online, but it seems that the uh, Detroit Tigers um, are trying to build a brand new stadium. Um, they're really trying to keep it under wraps. They're really afraid that the Tigers might actually hear that they're building it and try to play there. So we got to make sure we keep that one on the down low. But Big news. I agree. The Tigers stink, along with insert any other 29 Major League Baseball team name here, minus the Cubs, and I would say that they're horrible. Sorry, Drew. Uh, so we had Larry Boa. Larry Boa. What, would, what did you think about uh, the old manager and career gold glove fielder? Um, my favorite part of the entire interview is just hearing how in the heck he was discovered on a bed sheet through a window. That's, I mean, if you don't think you can get looks from a college just because you play at a smaller high school or you don't think that you're good enough, he literally got seen through a window on a bed sheet and got his chance at professional baseball. So if you can play, they'll find you. I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from it. And he had 2,200 hits. He had a couple gold gloves, won a manager of the year, won a World Series. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the guy got seen on a bed sheet from a projector playing. Like, that. that is unbelievable. You know, I think maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Because nowadays with players um, – and social media, there is just this huge anxiety built up that you have to be seen and you have to be seen and signed as soon as you possibly can and as early as you possibly can. And it creates just this unneeded stress in kids' lives that I think is crazy. That lucky, luckily, I mean, for me at least, that never happened when I was playing. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it was like that when you were playing. But yeah, I mean, with the, the resources that we have now, especially the resources that we have now, it's so much easier to be seen. So if you can play, you can play, obviously. Like, you're going to be seen somehow, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram. I mean, I'm not sure if anybody's recruiting on Facebook right now, but I know at least Twitter and Instagram, that's definitely where you're going to get looks from. And if you throw 95 at a Division three school or an NAIA, I mean, they'll find you. I completely agree, and um, I just, 
you know, it's not about when you get signed. I didn't sign the, to the last day of my high school career. Literally the last day of my high school career, I decided to sign. Um, me and you both went JUCO yeah. because it was the best thing for us to get to go in right away and play, develop for a couple of years, and then have an opportunity to go play at the Division One level. In high school, I wasn't ready to play Division One. If I would have gone to a Division One, I, I would have sat and, um, you know, not gotten anything out of it. Mm. But it's not about when you sign. It's not about how early you sign. There's this saying that I I live by, and it's the cream always rises to the top. You throw cream in coffee, what happens? It sinks down to the bottom for a little bit, but all of a sudden it finds its way back up to the top. And if you're a good enough player and you do the things that you're supposed to do and take care of business by producing, then – the cream's going to rise to the top and you're going to get your opportunity to play at the highest level that you can play at period. Agreed. And so that's one of the things that I really want players to understand. And I think something that we've got to do a better job in our program of, of talking to kids in our program about that and, and just helping them understand it's not about when, you know, just take care of business and everything will fall into place. And Larry Bow is a perfect example of that. I, I was a fan of Larry Bow growing up because he was a hothead as a manager and I loved the ejections. I love seeing him go at it. I got a picture in my office where he's literally face to face with an umpire screaming, uh, signed by him. And so I love, I love when a, a manager fights for his players. I think that's to me, there's just no greater thing a manager can do than go out and get ejected and fight for his players and show them he's got their back no matter what's going on. And so I love that. I love Larry Bow for that. And he was a Cub, so that doesn't hurt either. He was also a Met for like a month, so <laughs> I'll let him get past that one. But he coached the Phillies, so I would think that you probably hate him. Probably, but I think he was on the, the team in the 80s, I think like when Dwight Gooden – won the Cy Young, he may have been on that team for a month. So he probably had some cool stories from that, but he's more of a hitter and I don't really know that much about hitting. So he, he's got a ton of cool stories too. And he is a like a very revered baseball infield coach, like fundamentally, like knows all the fundamentals, knows drills and all kinds of things. And he's highly respected from that standpoint. He was just a really good, solid player that worked his butt off day in and day out and didn't have necessarily the top end talent, but he found a way to develop it through his work ethic. And then it, it translated into success on the field. And that's another thing that I wanted our players to hear and learn from and why Larry Bow was such a great guest for our program. Um, now it's time for Larry Boa. But I try to do something every day, walk, run. Uh, then I, the, the Phillies have me doing, uh, you know, we can't go out or anything. So they send me five names that are probably going to be free agents after this year. And I get video of them. And then I turn in a report what I think would they help our baseball team. 
Um, so that, that takes up a lot of the afternoon. Then, of course, the night you watch Netflix or watch the MLB station and watch old games that, uh, in fact, coming up tomorrow, it's all about the 1980 Phillies, which I played on and then won the World Series. So I think there's three or four games on tomorrow. So that'll take my day up tomorrow. <laughs> but each, each day is different. I try to do something and I try to get make it, you know, whether it's a cardio drill or weight drill, whatever, I try to change it up a little bit. And uh, you know, I've done this my whole life. You know, when you play baseball for as long as I've been or have been affiliated, everything is drawn out for you. Nine to nine thirty, you do this. Nine thirty to ten, you do this. And I'm I'm obsessed with that. I like to have a schedule, and I continue to do that right now. Even though it's not the kind of schedule I would like, I try to make do the best I can. And I actually saw a video, I guess you were talking to MLB.com or uh, maybe MLB Network about some drills that you can do at home. At, from Fielding drill. Yes, sir. And I'm going to show yeah. our players, too, uh, after this is over. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, it, it, it sounds like it's a, a, like a little league drill, but this drill that we did on this MLB Network, we do that at the big league camp. The first week, we'll get them on their knees and we throw balls at them and they'll start off with no glove and catch the ball, bring it to the center of their body. Then we'll go to the forehand. Then we'll go to the backhand. And as you progress through spring training, you start off on your knees with a tennis ball, something that's soft. Then you move back a little bit. They put a glove on, and you do that. Then eventually you get back to home plate and, and do your uh, drills from home plate. But, you know, I think the big thing you want to stress with the kids now is baseball is a sport where the stuff that you guys do, we do the same stuff in spring training, or I should say the stuff the big leaguers do. Guys should do that in high school, you know, in junior high school. It's, it's very, it, the, the more you do things in baseball, the better you're going to get, you know, there's no easy way. There's no easy answers. There's no shortcuts. You got to work. And the more you work, you're going to, you're going to reap the rewards. There's no question in my mind, but, you know, instead of taking 10 ground balls, you know, doing that drill, you might want to take 15 in the middle, 15 in your forearm, 15 in your backhand. Uh, each day, do something more. And again, it, it sounds like it's a, a, a very easy drill, but it's, it's all about hand-eye coordination. And that's basically what infielders, even outfielders, what you do. And then hitting's the same way, hand-eye coordination, whether you're hitting balls into a net, whether you're hitting it off a tee, whether you're taking live batting practice. I try to get kids to whatever drill you're doing, treat it like it's a game. Don't go through it 50%. Treat it like it's a game. If I'm concentrating on watching the ball go in my hand, bring it to the center of my body, I'm going to concentrate on every one of those balls. My forehand, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to concentrate watching it go in my hand. My hand. Backhand, watch it go in my hand. Then eventually I get the glove on, I do the same thing. Baseball is repetition. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. And like I said, there's no easy way. It's a tough game, but it's a fun game. And if you're successful, you can have a great career out of it. Yes, sir. And so um, also on this call too is one of the assistants here at Hardin Valley Academy and his name is Drew Korzebski and he's going to ask you the next question. Okay, great. Uh, hey coach, how's it going? How are you? I'm good. Uh, so um, I guess my first question would be, how important is it to kind of keep a schedule every day, even when you're not in quarantine? How important is that for you? Very important. To me, baseball is about being disciplined enough to discipline yourself, to be able to do these drills. You know, I hear, I hear some kids, 
they're younger, obviously. Well, I couldn't do this because my buddy, they went on vacation or they did this. You can do a lot of baseball drills by yourself. You don't need anybody. You get a batting tee, you hit it into a net. You don't have a net, you put an old sheet up. You hit it into a, into a sheet. You don't have to have a hard ball. Get tennis balls and hit it. Throw balls off the wall. Practice catching the ball off the wall. Uh, your presentation once you catch it. Getting your footwork down. Practicing backhands. There's so many drills you can do. That's just an excuse for me. When a guy tells me, oh, I didn't have anybody to do this with, you know what? Do it yourself. If you want something bad enough, do it yourself. And you got, and you know, so it takes a lot of discipline. You have to give up a lot of stuff if you want to play professional baseball. Or it, in your instance there with the kids, if they want to go on to college and play baseball. There's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. And you got to be willing to make those sacrifices. No one's going to hand you anything. And the more you work and the harder you work, the key to that is work the right way. I can go out there and, and do a drill and do it, go 50% and not put any effort into it. I'm not getting anything out of it. I, I with the drill up every drill I do or I did when I played, I I approached it like it was game situation. Whether it was throwing balls off a wall, whether it was taking fungos from a coach, whether it was taking BP off a tee, I approached it like it's game situation. And then once the game started, guys, you know, everything falls into place. You practice the right way, you play the right way. You practice going about it 50%, you're probably gonna play like 50%. So there there should be a method. And, and, and every drill you do, there should be, it should be, you should get something out of it. Whether I say, as a coach, you say, okay, guys, we're going to get loose. How many guys go over there and they start throwing balls? They don't know where it's going. They're talking about, all right, let's throw the ball out there. Practice throwing the ball chest high. Every ball. Practice catching the ball. Getting it out of your glove. Every drill you do, there should be a purpose behind it. We have a saying in the program that's you don't rise to the occasion, you fall back on your training. And I think that's exactly what you're saying right there. No question. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I beat the odds. Uh, you know, I didn't play high school baseball. I got cut three years in a row. I didn't get drafted. I went to a junior college. A scout saw me play. They signed me. Like I said, I, they had 50 rounds. I wasn't even in that. Uh, and, and when the scout signed me, he says, well, this guy's going to be a good organization guy. If he gets the double A, great. I think he can be a good coach, and he'd be good for the organization. And, and that wasn't good enough for me. I, I wanted the opportunity to play. I got the opportunity. I took advantage of the opportunity. And, again, it was against all odds. And I ended up playing 16 years. I got over 2,000 hits, played all-star games, hit 300, won gold gloves. But if somebody would have looked at me, and right now with the analytics, I probably would have never had a uniform on. The analytics would have looked at me and went, Get out of here. This guy can't play. And, and I, again, I'm all in on analytics. There's a lot of analytics I like, but there's also analytics to me. It's overload. It's overload for kids. Uh, you know, eventually the two things you can't do, you can't measure this on a computer or this. And if you got this and this and you got some ability, that'll take you a long way, believe me. It'll take you a long way. That was something that we talked about with Joe Madden. He has a saying called data versus art, knowing, understanding the balance between the two, the human being and the heartbeat and then the actual numbers. But that's kind of what you're saying too, which is cool. But like to segue with what you're talking about with not being drafted and being cut. So I read a story that you got seen through a, uh, like a, bed sheet. yeah, a bed sheet, like a projector. Yep. And so, um, 
nowadays kids are trying to get seen and signed and committed in eighth grade. And, you know, they, there's so much pressure with social media and stuff going on. Just what advice do you have for players who feel like they're being overlooked or not getting seen by the right people? I think you, if you're being overlooked, you think you're being overlooked. I think you've got to try to play as many games as you can, whether it's the summer league, whether it's uh, and I don't really, and I'm going to tell you why I don't like, I don't really like showcase games because I don't think guys are being taught how to win or how to play the game the right way. They're showing off their individual skills. They're trying to hit balls over the fence. They're trying to throw balls as hard as they can from right field. All the outfielders get in right field. They don't throw it to cutoff, man. And so scouts write down, oh, this guy's got a great arm. He threw it all the way on a fly. He missed the cutoff, man, but that's okay. And as far as his BP, didn't hit one ball to the right side, tried to pull every ball, but he hit 10 out. So we write that down. I think we get away from teaching the game of baseball. The fundamentals are so important. Fundamentals win baseball games. And you watch playoffs in the big leagues or the World Series. You know, you see during the course of the summer, all these home runs are hit. Guys saying, oh, the balls are juiced, which last year, no doubt in my mind, <laughs> they were juiced. But the bottom line is when you see the playoffs in World Series, you don't see nine to eight games. It's three to two. It's four to three. And you watch Washington last year. They literally bunted guys over. They had a hit and run. They stole bases. They go back to the fundamentals. Fundamentals eventually will override all that other stuff. And you're a sound fundamental team and you get good pitching and you catch the ball and you get timely hitting, you're going to win a lot of baseball games. You're going to win a lot of baseball games. Um, and so just kind of uh, adding on to that too, just the fundamentals developing and just baseball IQ I read a story too that you were sitting in the dugout one time and your manager came up to you and asked you what the score or the count was. Count. The count. Yeah. yeah. And he told you to put your head down, cover your eyes, and tell you what the count was, and you couldn't yep. do it. And so you learned a lesson like, that day. And you said, I did learn a lesson. I learned a big lesson because I was, you know, when you first get into your first big league camp, there's a good chance you're not going to play very much because you're on the 40 man roster and you're probably going to go to either double-A AA or triple-A when camp breaks. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting next to Larry Heisel, who was another prospect at the time. And we were down at the other end of the bench. And he had said something to me, and it was funny at the time. And the game's going on, and I laughed. And I guess the laugh carried towards the other end of the dugout. And Gene Mock, who was a manager, a lot of these guys, I know they don't know Gene Mock. You want to Google him. He was a strict disciplinarian. And so my head was down, I was laughing. And he says, Hey, Larry, I don't want you to look up. I want you to tell me what the count is. And I went, so I said, Skip, I have no idea. And he says, that's the point I'm trying to make. You're here to learn. Keep your eyes and ears open. Watch every pitch. Watch what guys play. Watch what pitchers do on the mound. And from the first, that was the first game. And from then on, that spring, we played 30 games. I was praying he would come down and ask me to count. And he never did talk to me about that the rest of the spring. But he got his point across. I'm there to learn. And even though I didn't get in any games, I learned a lot by paying attention and watching the veteran guys that were in the big leagues, how they approach their game. What are some of the things that uh, our kids could learn from uh, sitting on the bench or, you know, maybe they're waiting for their turn to bat inside the dugout? There, they could... There's a lot of things, man. First of all, you, you're constantly watching the pitcher. He might be doing something with his glove, flaring his glove on a breaking ball squeezing it on a fastball you're watching middle infielders a lot of middle middle infielders when they're young they cheat on off-speed pitches a shortstop maybe take two steps to his right before the pitch or if it's a fastball he'll go the other way uh 
there's there's so many a, a guy's pickoff move. If you're sitting in the dugout and you're a base stealer and you see a guy first, you see him going over to first base, you might have picked something up in it, whether it be his shoulder, his hip, his knee, just little things. If you're concentrating, you might not even be in the lineup, but you might be able to pick something up that might help somebody that's playing that particular day that might help you win a baseball game, as opposed to, hey, let's, what are we going to do after this? Let's go to the mall, let's play some video games, and you're sitting there BSing with kids and you're not paying attention. Maybe a pitcher gets into a routine where every time the counts, 2-0, and he likes to throw a slider or something off speed. Now, in the first inning, second inning, you're watching this. Maybe you come up in the fifth inning and you've watched this unravel the whole game. You're saying, you know what, I'm going to sit on this breaking ball 2-0. And just, just little things to get an advantage, any kind of advantage or edge you can get. Now, I'm not talking about banging a, a, a garbage can. Is that, that what they did there? That was totally – Totally uh, off base. I'm talking about just with what you can see with your with the naked eye, and if you pay attention, uh, you can pick up a lot of things sitting on the bench. Do you think that encounter between you and your manager at the time was one of the pivotal points in you becoming a manager later on? No question. You know, I have uh, and, and kids to this day when we go to big league camp, I I've all, I always go to the big league camp. I'm an advisor there, and you try to help kids out. And the first thing when you're trying to correct things, a lot of kids are sensitive and they think that you are getting on them. And the whole idea is as a coach, an advisor, a manager, you're trying to make these guys better. So I, I try to impress to them, when, we're, when we bring something out that, that you're not doing right, it's constructive criticism. We're not trying to embarrass you. We're not trying to make you look bad. We're trying to make you a better baseball player. When you come in in day one of spring training and you leave at day 40th spring training we hope that you have matured enough and and gone through the process where you are a better player but a lot of kids take it personal that you why are you getting on me why are you telling me about this uh, why would i waste my breath trying to embarrass you i'm trying to help you we all wear the uniform we're all in it for one thing we want to win as many games we can we want to make you better and if i can make you better by maybe talking about a backhand play or move going to your left and you know if I can do some things to make you better doing that, that's my job. Just don't take it personal. And sometimes, because I, I'm sort of like a high-strung guy, high-motor guy, the way maybe I present it, they think, oh, Larry's getting on me. Trust me, that's the last thing on my mind. And I'm sure you have coaches that have different personalities, and they present things. Some guys are real calm doing it. Some guys are all they're excite, excited and want to get their point across. So. Guys got to take it as constructive criticism that they're trying to help them. Now, uh, that's a great point because we talked about that with uh, Joe Madden too. Just he, he talked about being open to criticism, you know. And you have to be. I mean, let's face this. Baseball's a game. If you can't deal with failure, you're going to have trouble playing. The greatest hitters, these are the Hall of Fame guys. They make seven outs every 10 at-bats. Think about that. If a doctor had 10 operations and he messed up seven of them, he probably wouldn't be operating too much. <laughs> but as a baseball player, that's, that's what you got to deal with. you got to be able to deal with failure because a lot of this is failure. And that's what, to me, makes – that's how mental toughness comes into play. You'd be able to overcome adversity going through an 0-for-20 slump and keep grinding it out, keep working harder, and you're going to find out that, hey, you know what? Me sticking to it, not giving up, not woe is me, everything's going against me. You'd be, you'd be shocked at how you can acquire that mental toughness 
And you, and next time you go for 15 or over, you say, hey, you know what? I've been here before. I'll get out of this. I'm going to keep working. I might have to work a little bit harder, but I'm going to keep going at it. We got a bunch of questions for you on okay. mental toughness, uh, and we'll get to that because I, you're, I know you're one of the scrappiest, toughest players. That's ever <laughs> well, I, you so, know what? I, I had to be that way. I, I sort of played with a chip on my shoulder, and so I use that like a motivation tool. Because I, I, if I had one article written about me, I must have had 50. This guy will never play in the big leagues. He's too small. He can't do this. He can't do that. So when things got rough, I kept reading these articles, and, I, and, and in my own mind, I'm saying, you know what? You might be right, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that you're not right. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to outwork people. I'm going to out hustle people. I'm going to play hard. Nine innings, 27 outs. Every time I put up my foot on the field, I'm going to play as hard as I can. Now, the results might not be the good. I might go for three with two errors, but the effort is there. And that, as a coach, as a player, as another teammate, all you want is effort every day. If you get effort every day, you cannot get on anybody. Because so this is a hard game to play, and you're going to have ups and downs, peaks and valleys. You just got to hope that the peaks outnumber the valleys at the end. And over a 16-year career, you had some pretty high peaks. You almost had 2,200 hits in your career. And so yep. I'm, I want to talk to you now about your offensive philosophy and just kind of your mindset at the plate. Uh, uh, one of the things that I think that you were great at, and do you know who Darren Balsley is? He was a pitching yes. coach. Yeah, yeah. So he, he lives in Knoxville. His son plays at Bearden, and um, he's one of my mentors. And I was talking to him about you the other day, and he said, he's uh, oh, he's, I think he's the best. Yeah, he is. He's really good. Um, he said, you know, one of the things that made you so successful was just your approach at the plate and your contact. You put the ball in play, and I think that's kind of a lost art um, in the game of baseball today. So I yep. just kind of want to know what your approach at the plate was and what your okay. two-strike approach was. And All right. Well, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you when I first came up, I was an out. I was an easy <laughs> out. I couldn't hit water if I fell out of a boat. I mean, but again, it was, I will get this, because they asked me to learn how to switch it at AAA. I'd never switched it in my life. I went to AAA, struggled the first half, had a good second half, went to the big league camp, struggled the first year, first half, finally got it together. I think the biggest thing as a hitter is know thyself. If you're a singles and doubles hitter, it's okay. There, there, there's, there's room in the lineup for everybody. There's room for home run hitters. We all love home runs. We love three-run homers. They're the greatest thing in the world as a player, as a manager, as a coach, I love to watch three-run homers. But we're all, we're not, we don't all, all have that ability. So know yourself. If you're a line drive hitter and you're a table setter, what do I want to do? I want to get on base for the big boys. I want to create some havoc. I want to be able to steal second base. I want to be able to score from first on a double. I want to be able to break up a double. You know, little things that you can do to help your team win a baseball game. Uh, when I got in the bat, batter's box, my main objective was to try to stay in the middle of the field. I wanted to hit the ball up the middle. When I had two strikes, I spread out more. I, I hated striking out because when you're a singles and doubles hitter, you know, you're not allowed to strike out 100 times. Those home run hitters can strike out like that. So I knew what my role was. Put it in play. If the manager puts a hit and run on, I'm going to put this ball in play. I'm going to hit it somewhere. Uh, again, there's a room for everybody in that lineup. You can be 5'10 and 160, or you can be 6'4 and 230. There's roles for every single player. And you got to know what your role is. If you're not a home run hitter, what are you worried about launch angle for? 
Launch angle would, to me, if I had worried about launch angle, I'd have a whole lot of F7, F8, F9. I don't want that. I want line drives. I want to stay in the middle of the field. I want to hit the ball at the middle. And I, I, I took it, you know, you, you hear this saying a lot in baseball from the analytic people, an out's an out. No, no, an out's not an out. If you've got a man on third base, they're saying a strikeout's okay. No, it's not okay. The infield's back. Put the ball in play. Hit the ball. Think middle of the field. Hit a ground ball. You get an RBI. You get, your team's got one run. Now the other team's got to get two. You get another one. You get two. They got to get three. Find a way to manufacture runs. You're not always going to hit three-run homers. You're going to have to win games three to two, two to one. And it's going to be the little guy maybe that lays down a perfect squeeze bunt or executes a perfect hit and run play or puts a ball in play with the infield back. Infield back, third inning, man on third, they're giving you the run, put it in play. A lot of things can happen when you put a ball in play. When you swing three times and don't put it in play, not too much can happen. You walk back to the dugout. So we, we, what happens is, Tyler, we, and again, it's our fault. We put so much emphasis on home runs. When I say we, I'm talking about the industry. Oh, this guy had 30 home runs, but he struck out 220 times and he hit 200. So he had 30 some home runs. What do he do the other 400 and some at bats? There's there's so many other ways you can win baseball games besides hitting a three run homer. Mm -hmm. So what about uh, when they're looking? You talk about putting the ball in play, making contact. Is that with two strikes? Because you're are you looking to go up there, oh oh, and put the ball in play, or do you have a different approach, oh oh, than you would later? I, I, I you, normally I had a different approach. If I knew a guy was pitching me center, I was a switch hitter. I knew a guy's pitching me center in. I might look center in the first couple of pitches. Now, once I get the count goes to 0-2 or 1-2, then I'm in a defensive mode, basically. If it's 2-0 or 3-1, obviously you're in a different you're, – you're, you've got the hammer there. You can look for certain pitches. Now, I'm not telling you when you're 3-4-5 hitters, those are usually your big boys. I'm not telling them to go up there and just try to put it in play. You want them to do some damage. Look for certain pitches in certain situations. Again, maybe a pitcher's doing something. Pitchers get into a lot of routines. They like to throw certain pitches and certain counts. And if you paid attention and you're one of the big boys, three, four, five hitter, and you know you can do some damage, if you're sitting on a pitch and you get that pitch, that's great. That means you're, you're not only are you a good hitter, but you're using your head a little bit. You're thinking. And the whole idea is as a hitter, you want to have good timing. And as a pitcher, you want to upset that timing. If a pitcher can upset the timing, he's doing his job. And if a hitter feels good about his timing, he's doing his job. What about the bunt? I saw you use that as some of your weapons. That, that was huge for me because I, I was a good base runner. I was fast. And like I said, my, my job was to get on base for guys like on my team when I played with Mike Schmidt and Greg Lozinski. Those are the guys that hit the ball out of the ballpark. So if I could get on first base, distract the pitcher, knowing, hey, this guy might steal second, then he goes into a slide step and doesn't get a good – a good velocity on her makes a bad location pitch then one of the big boys hit one out of the ballpark I felt like I have just as important on that at bat and I didn't do anything I, I did down a perfect bunt and again these guys that they put the shift on I'm all for the shift if you got all the data that says this left-handed hitter is 85 percent of the balls on the ground on the right side I'm all in on that shift them but to negate that sometimes if you got a big guy in your lineup that they shift on, and you're down five runs in the seventh inning, and you look at that shift, what's wrong with dropping a bunt? You want to get base runners. You want to get back in the game. If I get a base down a bunt, next guy gets a single. 
Now one of your guys hits a home run. Now instead of five nothing, it's five three, and it all started because you didn't want to hit into that shift. You wanted to say, okay, you want to shift, and you want to give me this easy, easy base hit here. That's why if you practice on things like again, I'm not an advocate of three, four, five laying down bunts, but if you're down five or six runs and you need base runners, and they've got three guys over there, and the third baseman's over there by second on the shortstop side of the bag, that whole left side's open. What's wrong with dropping a bunt down? That's just smart baseball. But instead of get guys that keep beating their head against the wall, I'm going to beat this shift. If it's a ground ball, if this wasn't for this shift, I'd be hitting 350. Well, you know what? Learn how to hit the ball the other way. Learn how to keep defenses honest. That's how you stop all that stuff. You want to keep hitting into a shift and keep taking your helmet and throwing it back? Be my guest. I mean, to me, it's just like beating your head against the wall. And I see it. I watch every single Philly game at home, and I keep watching these guys keep hitting into the shift. And they're not home run hitters. We got guys that hit singles and doubles, and they're shifting on them. I said, why don't you lay down a bunt? Get on base for the for the Harpers. Get on base for the rim, uh, JT Rim. You know, this is what you got to do. But, you know, sometimes they get too stubborn. You can get stubborn and hard-headed, you keep hitting into it. You'll be taking that thing back to the bench a lot. So did you walk up every time to the plate and take a look at where the third baseman was playing? or No question. First and third. And if I want to take the ball with me by the mound, I would do that. That was, that was part of my game. If I could move the third baseman in 10 steps or five, five steps in front of the bag or the first baseman in front of the bag and I get jammed on a ball that I pull, it's buying. I, I, I made them aware that I might bump. I bring them in. And I don't, hit, I don't square a ball up, but I hit it good enough where if they're playing back, it's a routine five to three or a routine three unassisted. If I move them in, sometimes just by laying a bunt down and you get thrown out, it might set the stage for maybe your next at bat. They come in again, you hit a ground ball by them. There's so many ways that you can play with these guys' heads that maybe you don't have to lay down the bunt. Even if you fake it a couple times, they're going to say, oh, this guy might try to bunt here. And uh, the whole idea is, if you're a singles and doubles hitter, you move them in, and that ball that you don't square up still trickles through, you've done your job. You've got them moving in, got them playing a little bit out of position, and that's what this game's all about for the little guys. What are, what are some things that, as a player, that they need to do every day? It's like our guys, what do they need to do every day to get better? I think what you got to do every day is practice. I, I think players have a tendency, and it's not just – high school kids or college, it's, it's big leaguers. They practice more at what they're good at. In other words, if you're a real good hitter, they're going to stay down there 45 minutes and hit. I say practice as much the other part of the ball. If you're not a very good defensive player, go out there and practice on what you're not good at. Try to be a complete player. If you're a complete player, this isn't like football. Okay, offense, get in there. Defense, get in there. Hey, you got to play both sides of the ball. And I think it's important that your work ethic's important. Take your ground ball, have, your, have a routine that you do every day. Whether the first round, you're hitting the opposite field. Second round, you might be staying in the middle of the field. Last round, you might be looking to jerk the ball. But have a routine every single day where you're doing things and you're experimenting a little bit. Ground balls, I want to hit balls right at me. I want balls to my left. I want balls backhanded. I'm going to come in and field in. Every single thing that you do during the game, you practice pregame. And if you do that every single day, and then once the game starts, it's going to be like second nature to you. You know exactly where you're going to do. 
you've, you've practiced this. But again, when you practice, you got to practice like it's a game. Practice like it's a game. When I, take, when I took ground balls, I used to take ground balls like I would say in my mind, okay, this guy's a real fast runner. So am I going to play back here on the grass? No. So I might take five balls where a guy could run real good. I move up a little bit. And then, obviously, because I respected his speed. And then I get some big catcher that can't run. I'm going to play back on the grass. So I'll take maybe five or ten that way. Okay, this guy can't run. I got a little time. Let me backhand this ball. Come up and throw. So everything, go, do it in your own mind. This guy's real fast. I'm making double plays. The guy that hitting the ball get down under four flat. I got to get rid of this ball real quick. I'll do five like that. Then I might do five where the guy at first is real quick. I got to give the second baseman a, a quick flip. Let him be able to turn the double play. All this stuff goes through your mind. You know, when you, when you pre-go over pre-pitch, you go over every scenario possible. And, it, and it's like, boom, boom, boom. The ball's hitting the gap. Where am I going? Who's on first? Is he slow? Is he fast? If it's in the gap, do I have a chance to play at the plate? If he's real fast and the ball's out in right center or left center, there's a good chance I'm not going to get him at the plate. i got to stop that guy that hit it from going to third base. So, And every pitch is different. Every count's different. Every inning's different. And you, this has to go through your mind. Every single at-bat, every single pitch, every single situation. And it, it wears on you. But you know what? If you, if you pay attention, everything's second nature, man. It just, hot, it just boom, boom, boom. Uh, I, I always try to make – I made a, a comparison. I, I told uh, uh, Jimmy Rollins when he first came up. I said, Jimmy, let me ask you a question. If you go 0 for 4 – and you strike out four times, you don't even run to first, you have four punch outs. You go back out in the field and you play nine innings. At the end of the game, are you mentally drained? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He went, I just struck out four times. I said, you're not answering my question. Are you mentally tired? And he went, not really. I said, well, you should be. Because as a middle infielder, you're backing up throws, you're covering second on, on uh, bunt plays, you're covering on steals, you're going out on cutoffs and relays. Regardless if you got any hits at all, at the end of the game, if you were in on every single pitch, on your toes, everything, at the end of the game, you should sit in your locker and say, man, I'm drained. Because you were involved in every single pitch. And in a game at the big league level, that could be 125, 130 pitches. You try to stay active 125, 30 pitches, at the end of the game, you should be tired. We... Uh... That's some great stuff right there. We we want to segue to the uh, the leadership side of the things. So now your your coaching days and in really your playing days too, when you were on some really good teams. So you got to play for the the nineteen eighty World Champions. You got to play right. for eighty four Cubs, which I'm a Cubs fan. So that's right. a big team for the Cubs. Um, we preach to our players all the time about. You know, good teams are coach-led, but great teams and championship teams are led by the locker room and the players. And I so I just want to get your opinion or some of your insights. Just when you're building a championship culture, how much do you rely on the locker room? I think you rely on it a lot. I mean, you, 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 you know, there's only so much a manager and coach to do. You know, to me, peer pressure, peer pressure is important. If you've got a guy on your team that everybody is pulling the rope the same way and one guy's not, and shame on you if, if some of those guys in that locker room don't get them aside. And I'm not saying embarrass the kid. I'm saying just take them inside. You know, this is not how we play. We play this game hard. When we hit a ground ball, we run hard to first base. When we come in from the outfield, we, come, we hustle on and off the field. I think it's important 
for guys to, to uh, police each other. And, and it's also important for guys to be good teammates to one another. You know, you might be on a, on a roll as a hitter. You might be 10 for 20, and you're really digging yourself. Would your, your, your best buddy over there is 0 for 15. You know, every now and then, pat him on the back and say, hey, things, don't just worry about yourself. This game's really easy to play when everything's falling into place. It's the greatest, it's the greatest feeling in the world. I'm making every play. I'm getting two hits a game. We're winning. But how about your teammates? Some of those guys aren't, aren't playing the way they should or they're in a slump. Go over and pat them on the back. Be a good teammate. Respect everybody on your team. And you know what? To me, a leader leads whether he's hitting 500 or whether he's hitting 200. You know, I felt I was a leader, and there was a lot of times, man, I was 0 for 12, but I tried to keep everybody involved. I said, let's go. Come on. we got to grind this out. We gotta... You don't have to hit 300 to be a leader. If you're a leader, you're a leader. Sometimes it's hard to be a leader when things aren't going well. To me, that, that shows a big thing about the guy's makeup. If he can still lead when things aren't going good, that to me is a good leader. It's, like I said, it's easy to lead. When, when you're getting two hits every game or your team's playing good, it, you can get some guy off the street to lead when he's getting two hits every Get me that leader when things aren't going good. The team's lost five in a row. Words of encouragement. Telling guys, let's go. We're all right. You know, constantly be positive and pump good vibes into them. The guy might maybe not, can't buy a hit and hit a line drive. You have to go up to him and say, man, you squared that. was a good swing. Hey, you're going to get him. Stay with him. You know, I mean, there's so many things you can do as a leader. And, you know, after a while, let's face it, players, they don't want to hear coaches and managers all the time. You know, after a while, they go, oh, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I've been there. I've done that. They want to hear a, a teammate say, you're all right. Your swing's good. You know, and, and sometimes you got to be honest and say, hey, you're pulling off a little bit. Keep that shoulder in there. Try to hit this next ball up the middle. Go think, think the other way for a while. You might get some hits the other way, and then that, then you, you know, a hit here, a hit there. All of a sudden, mentally, you say, hey, I got it. I'm ready to roll. And you rattle off a, a five for ten the next ten bats. Something huge that I just heard you say was it's, you see it's a big part of their makeup is the way that they interact when they're not going good too. And so um, I don't think maybe some of our kids understand what that means. So could you explain to. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I go out and watch our, our minor leagues a lot. When, when the Phillies go on the road, I go to double A AA and triple A and watch our players. And I like to watch guys that aren't playing good. When I say not playing good, they're in a slump. So I want to see if they're interacting when they're scratching. I want to see how their work ethic is when they're 0 for 15. I want to see if they're going about their pregame the same as when I went in the first time and he was hitting 320. If there's a big drop off there, I'm not all in on this kid. I want the same. I want to be able to walk in there and say, man, I don't know if he's hitting 300. I don't know if he's hitting 200. I want him to approach every game like he's positive and be that leader. Be vocal during stretch. Talk to guys. Uh, you can tell a lot about a guy's makeup when things aren't going good because I, I'm a firm believer. You know, I look at baseball. When I started out, I looked at baseball to get into the big leagues and playing in a World Series. There's a mountain. And you start off at the bottom of that mountain and you start your way up that mountain. And you know what? You might get a quarter of the way up and you fall back down. And then you pick yourself up and you go a little bit farther and you get halfway up and you fall back down again. You got to keep picking yourself up. You got to keep looking for that goal. You got to look to get to the top of that mountain. And, and along the way, there's going to be a whole lot of disappointments. Believe me, there's a lot of disappointments, and you got to be able to deal with it. You got to keep grinding it out and saying, "I don't care what happened. 
yesterday. This is a new day today. I got four bats. I'm going to do my best to give you four quality at bats. And if I don't get any hits, I'm playing shortstop. Nobody's getting a hit by me either. My mentality is if I don't get any hits, I'm robbing you guys from getting hits. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can, guys think you have to hit to win games. You can run the bases the right way. You can make a play. You can make a pitch. You can hit a cutoff and relay. There's so many ways you can help win a game without getting a base hit. And you got to have that mentality every single day. It's not what can I do today so I can get three hits. It's what can I do today to help us win today's game. And if you can do something every day to help your team win, it might be something really small. Going first to third on a, on a ball you got a great read on. Normally, you might not have made it to third, but you, you were really into the game and you got a great jump. You got a good secondary lead. You went first to third. Next guy up hits a fly ball. You score the one, the run. It's three to two win. And you go back and you say, you know, I didn't get any hits, but I, you know, I created that whole inning, first to third. Or your teammates might say, man, that was great base running. Without that, you're still at second. That fly ball doesn't mean anything. Just little things that, that you can do every single day to help. What can we do to help us win today's game? Who would you say are some of the best leaders that you've been around? P. Rose was a real good leader. I mean, real good leader. Jimmy Rollins was a good leader. I was coaching with the Yankees. Derek Jeter was a good leader. All different personalities. Some were vocal. Some were quiet leaders. They showed by, by example. Jimmy was more of a vocal guy. He would, you know, get after it a little bit. Pete was both. He would show you at the plate, and, and uh, he'd be verbal, you know. So, you know, th those guys, I don't think you can sit – in your locker room and say, hey, Bill, you're the, you're the leader today. That's got to come from within. And I think guys know who the leaders are. I, I think right now I bet I don't even know your team. And if I watch them play or practice a week, I could probably tell you who your leaders are. Just by the way they approach their practice, approach the game, uh, inter, interact with, with their teammates, uh, the way they go about stretching, the way they – you can see guys gravitate to guys that have that leadership quality. Hey, the invitation's open. Sorry to interrupt, but the invitation's open anytime you want to come watch them. <laughs> yeah, okay. As soon as this virus gets over, I'd like to go watch a lot of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of those personality traits um, that you need to have to be a leader? I think you got to, no matter how bad things are going, you can't let if you're the leader of the team, you can't let guys know you're down. You got to try to stay positive. Uh, and, and I think the other thing is that you have to, you, you've got to be assertive. If you see somebody not doing something the right way. And again, I'm not into embarrassing guys. I, I don't think you, you might you say, let's go out to lunch. Well, you go out to lunch with them or after you know, have a burger or whatever you do and say, you know what? I've been watching you the last three days. I know things aren't going good. You got to pick it up because guys are watching how you react. Let's, let's give me a little better effort. You know, things are going to turn around. Constantly telling guys it's going to be okay. And you might be struggling your butt off. You might not be getting a hit in the last four games. But you've got to fake it. you got to say, you know what? In my mind, there's a lot of times I, I didn't feel like being a leader. Guy didn't run hard. Who am I to tell him to run? I'm 0 for 12. But you know what? If I was consistent with it, I would say, hey, you got to run, man. That's not how we play the game. Just give me an effort. And you'd be shocked at how that goes over with the teammates. Some guys might not like it, but you know what? If they know that you're in it to try to win baseball games and not try to embarrass them, they'll get the feel of what you're trying to get across, believe me.
It's a toughness thing. And you talked about toughness earlier, just the, the mental toughness. And that's kind of the thing that we want to segue to now, because I think you were, when I think of toughness, you as a player, definitely you as a manager, definitely. And we have a pro, uh, saying in our program that we got, uh, me and Drew played for the same college. Our college coach had a saying, TGHT, which is the game honors toughness. And it's something that we've taken and used in our program too. So just segue into the toughness how would you define mental toughness in the game of baseball and how do you develop it I, I would the first thing I'd say about mental toughness is it's the ability to go out there whether you're playing good or playing bad and to give your teammates the same effort day in and day out regardless of what happens I mean if a guy if you're hitting and a guy drills you and you're going down to first base you'd be shocked at teammates alike when you say Okay, I get it. And then you go into second base, you try to break up a double play. To me, I'm mentally, you know what? You just drilled me. I'm going to make it very difficult for this guy to, make, uh, to turn this double play. Mental toughness is to be able to go up. If you're 0 for 15, you come up in the eighth inning and you got the winning run at third and you know your last at bats have been ugly and you got to grind some stuff out, whether it's spreading out, you got to get in that box and you look at the pitcher. And there's a lot of times I looked at that pitcher, I faced some Hall of Fame pitchers. And I said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And you know what? I might not have got him. But my mentality was, I'm going to do everything in my power to get a base hit off you or get on first base here. You, you can't show a weakness when you're playing baseball. Because, you know, when you play football and you play basketball and you play hockey, you don't play every day. So you can cover up a lot of warts when you play those sports. When you play baseball every day, you play 162 games. It's hard. Your warts are going to be exposed, and you've got to be able to overcome that. Eventually, they're going to find out what your weakness is, and you've got to practice what your weakness is and say, you know what, that's no longer my weakness. And it's mental toughness is something that I think you learn by failing. When you fail enough times, you get mentally tough, and you learn how to deal with it. I never, I'm not saying you accept it. I'll never say you accept it you learn how to deal with it. And once I learn how to deal with failure and the mental toughness sort of just evolved, that, uh, okay, I, I got it. I know I've been here before. I've been here. I've done it. I will come out of this, whether it be working extra, staying extra for extra ground balls, extra batting practice, whatever it is, I'm going to stay out here and figure out how I can get better to help our team. Um, we have a quote from you um, that says the most important thing in baseball is being able to go up there and concentrate on every single at bat. And um, that's transcendental meditation. I think I said that correctly. Yeah. Uh, you kind of explain what that is and what ways you use that in the game of baseball and how you adopted that. Well, well you know what, it's very easy. And I, I did it early in my career. You know, when you, when you first come up, you want to make sure that you can play up here in the big leagues. So, okay. I'm just using this as an example. Say you're playing a team and, and you're, I'm a rookie and I get two hits my first two at-bats and I'm starting to dig myself a little bit. And I'm going, hey, man, no matter what, I can have a good day here. If I don't get any hits after this, I'll be two for four. Well, now the game gets tied up and you go 16 innings and you go two for nine. Something like that. You know, the, the, you don't give away at-bats ever. Well, if you got three hits, I want four. Pete Rose told me this one time. He says, you know, when you – now think about what Pete Rose did. He got over 200 hits for 20 years in a row. Wow. That, that record 
will never be broken. I, I don't, I love Mike Trout. He ain't breaking that record. They're not breaking that record. That's hard to do. But his philosophy was, I said, Pete, how do you do this, man? He said, first of all, my concentration is if I have one hit, I want two. If I have two, I want three. If I'm 0 for three, I know I, got a, I need a hit to go one for four because I'm facing Tom Seaver tomorrow. I might not get any. I might go 0 for two with two walks. He says, but when you face that three, four, five pitcher, you, you get three hits, you want four. You got four, you want five. So it's a matter of staying hungry and concentrating. The art of being a good hitter, and I'll be the first to tell you, I, I was an out when I came up, and I turned out to be a tough out. But it's the ability to recognize pitches, the ability to know yourself as a hitter, and the ability to concentrate the release point where it's coming out of, do your prep work, watching video. I know it gets monotonous, but you got to do it every day. You've got to do it every single day. And it's very easy to give away at bats. You get up there and you're losing 12 to nothing or you're winning 12 to nothing and you have three hits already. You're saying, I want to get this game over with. I did it. I did that stuff. And I learned from it by talking to guys like Pete and talking, I, I happened to manage Tony Gwynn, who was a great hitter. And those guys always stayed hungry. They wanted, if they had two, they wanted three. If they had three, they wanted four. And the next day they wanted four more. The next day they wanted three more. It was, it was that attitude that you're not getting me out today. And it's hard to do because, like we said, the greatest hitters make seven outs every 10 at bats. What's the, uh, we try to talk to our players about the killer mindset. If you're winning by nine, you want to win by 10. It's, it's exactly what you're kind of saying right there. Right. You, don't you, you, you always respect your opponent. I don't care if you're beating the heck out of them. Never disrespect your opponent. Re respect the game of baseball. Respect your teammates. Uh, and now I'm not telling you to go out and steal bases when you're up 12 to nothing. But if you've got a man on third base and you're hitting and you're head 10 to nothing, I'm not giving this a bat away. I might make an out, but I'm not giving it away. You're going to have to earn getting me out. You know, there's certain things you do when you have big leads, and there's certain things you do when you, when you don't have big leads. And it's sort of like the code, you know, you're not supposed to show up the other team, which I agree with. Uh, but to me, you can't give away at bats. You can't go up there and say, oh, we're, we're, we're beating this team. I got three hits. Let me just throw this a bat away. And again, that's, that, that comes again with mental discipline. You got to be mental dis mentally tough to not give away at bats. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think if you have that attitude, that play hungry attitude every single day, I'm going to play hungry. I, I'm going to, I'm going to get the most out of my ability. Uh, uh, I, lo I look back at my career, and I I've talked to if I've talked to one guy that retired, I've talked to 50 or 100. And they always say, I wish I would have done that when I played. And I'm telling you guys that I can honestly tell you, the only thing I wish I could have been able to do, because I never was, was hit home runs. But that's not that was something I couldn't do. But I can honestly tell you, I did everything I wanted to do. I, I played the game the right way. I got the most out of my ability, no doubt about that. And again, I played on all-star games, World Series, gold gloves, hit 300, 2,000 hits. I can honestly sit here as we're talking and say, man, I, I squeezed every ounce of ability out of my body. And I'm proud of that because I was not, I was against all odds making the big leagues. Forget the big leagues, making triple A at one time. But, you know, through hard work and stick-to-itiveness, 
I got to attain most of the goals I wanted to attain. So as far as going back and looking at your career, you say you, you laid it all on the line. You don't have any regrets as far as that. But is there anything now that you know as a uh, former coach or being in the game for as long as you've been that you wish that you knew when you first started that you know now? Yeah, there's one thing that stands in my mind, Tyler, is when I first got into coaching and managing, I expected everybody to be like me. When I say be like me, have my work ethic. That was totally wrong. Everybody's personality is different. And you as a coach, as me as a manager, you got to recognize these guys' personalities. You got to recognize maybe a guy like the greatest third baseman I ever played with, Mike Schmidt. I wish to watch him and I say, man, what if he worked as hard as I did? He didn't need to. He was a great athlete. He was a great hitter. Maybe his work ethic was what I did, except he just was so smooth and it didn't look like he was working hard. So I expected everybody to do what I did, and that's totally wrong. You can't do that. Everybody's different. Just like when you when you find out your, your, your ball club, everybody's personality is different. Some guys you pat on the back. Other guys, you got to kick them in the butt. And you got to figure that out. You're you and your coaches. And once you figure that out, then but see, I made the mistake of saying, man, I used to take, instead of 50 grounders, I took 75. Why are you taking 70? That, that was the wrong approach. So if I had to do something like that over, that definitely would have changed. <clears throat> That's awesome. And so now to kind of sum it all up, we've got a speed round questions. And so you okay. can answer them with uh, one word or a sentence or whatever you want to do. They should be, they should be quicker for you. So um, started off your favorite teammate that you ever played with. And uh, Greg Lazinski, because we roomed together in the Meyer League, we roomed together in the big leagues. To this day, we're still friends. He was a great teammate. He was a complete different hitter than what I was. He was a home run hitter. I was a singles hitter. But we've had that relationship since we started playing baseball. This one's going to be a tough one, I'm sure. So you may not have an answer for it. But just maybe favorite player that you ever coached. That is a tough one because I have a few. I'm going to say – Jeter, Rollins, and Tony Gwynn. That's a I, 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 I mean, they're, they're all – two of them are already in the Hall of Fame. I think Jimmy will be. Uh, but it's just the way they approach the game, their work ethic, their attitude, their on and off the field, the way they handled themselves was very professional. The, your greatest memory on a baseball field? Not even close, Tyler. 1980 World Series, the ultimate goal. We're the greatest team in 1980. Nobody can ever take that away. And incidentally, it'll be all over TV tomorrow on the MLB. Perfect. All those games are on tomorrow, us playing Kansas City. Well, okay, so this is kind of segue to that. Would you rather win your gold gloves, be an all-star, or win the World Series? World Series. Not even close. That's the ultimate goal, the World Series. That means your team, your city, your teammates, your coaches, everybody gets rewarded. Best advice you've ever gotten? Play the game like it's the last game you're going to play. My dad used to tell me that. Every time you take the field, this is the last time you're putting that uniform on. And I tried to have that approach. And if this year doesn't teach everybody that, how quickly the game can be taken from you? Oh, and I'd be shocked. I'm going to be very disappointed if – there's a lot of issues going on. But if this thing boils down to money, I am going to be so disappointed in this industry. I understand it. If it boils down to health issues, I get it. But if it boils down to money, where you're talking about some guy saying, oh, 
I'm not playing for $7 million or half. I'm going to be so shocked at that because this game, you're playing it because you love the game. Obviously, the money's nice, but I'll, I'll be so disappointed if this thing shut down because of money. Great. Your favorite team you played on? Philly's not even close. Philly's. They signed me. They gave me the opportunity and to win a World Series and manage. No question. And the 80 would be your probably overall favorite. No question. Uh, should uh, Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? You know, that's a good question. What he did was wrong. No, no question about it. I'm, I'm not advocating. Go when he managed to bet on his team to win. I know that they were. He bet on to win. He never because he tried to win everything. But there's a lot of players in the Hall of Fame with skeletons in their closet. I think he's learned his lesson. And we said 200 hits, 20 years in a row. Pretty, pretty special. I'd say yes. I agree, 100%. Uh, toughest pitcher you ever faced? Without a doubt, uh, and the, I faced a lot of tough ones, man, believe me. Bob Gibson, because not only was he great, he was mean. And you didn't know if you were getting one at your neck. You didn't know if you were getting one at your ribs. Uh, and he had that glare on the mound. It was very intimidating. You know, I weighed 150 pounds. And I'm looking out there at this guy that played basketball in college and was an unbelievable athlete. And he's sort of intimidating, but he was nasty, nasty. Should kids play multiple sports? Yes, I think it's important. And just like in, in, in baseball, play multiple positions. And, and that's where the coaches and managers find out, hey, you know what, I think you're a better first baseman than you are a third baseman. Or I think it's important to play different sports. You get, you know, sometimes you can get burned out playing one sport. Now, as we get into maybe a senior in high school and go to college, now we concentrate on this is what I want to do. But in junior high school and maybe your first year or two in, 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 uh, in high school, play, play them all if you're, if you're that athletically inclined to be able to do that. Uh, you were three for three with asking people that question that they agree, and I am 100% on board with that too. Some of the toughest players we have play football. I love That's football. That's great. Yeah, there's a different mentality too. You know, and they can bring that football mentality into that baseball locker room. Um, so did you guys ever do team bonding uh, with the Phillies when you were the manager? Do you have any suggestions for things like that? I think it's good you do team bonding at, at, at the minor league level, at the uh, high school, college. I think that's important. And when you get to the professionals, these guys all have their uh, – their uh, limo services and <laughs> games over. They go their different ways. You know, they basically establish themselves. But whether you go out bowling, whether you go out to play video, whatever you do, to do it as a group, I think is important. That that bonding off the field sometimes you you can uh, you can pick up some things that uh, maybe guys wouldn't admit when they're in uniform, and now you go out and have lunch with them or have a big dinner where the whole team goes to the dinner. I think that's really important. And then um, last one, uh, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I do love winning, but I hate losing. I, I can't stand losing. <laughs> I watched the game last night where we lost four to three to the Dodgers in the playoffs, and I'm watching it, and I knew what the outcome was going to be, and I still got mad up there watching it. That happened in 78, so <laughs> I, I hate losing, no matter what I'm doing. I don't like losing. 
Well, Coach, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this. Uh, Drew, we got a shirt uh, that we'll show you right now. It's uh, the shirt that we got for next year, Unfinished Business, that we want to send to you. He's gonna. Oh, great. Great. Do you have that, Drew? Yeah, I'm holding it. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like it. We want to send you one of those. So thank okay. you so much for taking the time out to do this, and we really You're appreciate welcome. it. And, and, and Drew and Tyler, good luck to you guys, and good luck to the kids. And hopefully uh, this virus gets out of here real quick. I know that we're all missing sports right now. But, guys, if you have to, make up some drills. Keep that, keep, keep that edge going, whether it's by yourself or with a teammate. But constantly practice, 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 and practice the right way. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. We'll be watching the MLB Network tomorrow. Okay, Thank guys. You. You take you. care. Thank you for tuning in to our interview with Larry Boa. Hopefully you got something out of it. I know that I did, and I really enjoyed getting to speak with him. Make sure that you check out our uh, Eventbrite link, our night with Del Murphy on January 30th. It's going to be an awesome time. Del Murphy's going to speak with our program at our school. There's going to be a VIP meet and greet, a silent auction, Players like Cal Ripken Jr., Joe Madden, and a few of the other players that we've gotten to interview so far are donating items to that silent auction, so it should be big. We appreciate you tuning in, and hopefully we can see you guys at the Night with Del Murphy on January 30th.